those men and sometimes women who teach that faith is something that is kind of this code, a secret code, that if you use it, you can unlock all of these resources that God has. After all, they would teach that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and, you know, there's a good chance that if you use faith right, that he might send some to your pasture. Because after all, God is this great bank of blessings. There are entire churches and ministries that are built upon that understanding of faith. That's their foundation. And they will fill stadiums, and they will fill arenas, and they are all promising that if you have enough faith, that God will respond to you. That will be a result. Something's going to happen. Like you will get job promotions. You will get pay raises. And if you have just enough of the right kind of faith, you can even be cured or healed from some kind of chronic illness. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't heal, and I'm not saying that God does not provide in certain ways, but there are ministries that that is their foundation. That is what they teach. More health, more wealth, more prosperity, more, 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 and more, and it is all tied to this one word, faith. But the problem is, that produces a very blurry faith, a faith that is not clear, a faith that is hard to understand. Maybe you've heard from another type of teacher. Maybe you've heard someone describe faith as this source of power, because after all, they'll remind you that even the faith of a mustard seed is enough to move mountains. It is so powerful. Maybe that's the direction you have heard, because after all, we find that phrase in the Bible, right? And so maybe you have been taught that faith is this secret access to this amazing power that you get to decide how it is used and when it is used and where it is used because you are directing God. And if you use this faith just right, then that means God is going to respond with this work of power. In fact, if you use it right, they would teach you that he has to respond. It's almost like you trick him. You become the director, and God is directed. Now, faith then becomes the key to getting what we want, to having what we want. And with just enough faith, God will have to fulfill your request. He will have to do it. But there always comes that time then that God just doesn't respond the way that you ask him to respond, the way you expected him to respond. And in that case, then you begin thinking, well, there must be something wrong with me. If God didn't do that, there must be something wrong with my faith if God did not 
respond the way I expected him to respond. Or perhaps you think, or there's something wrong with God. And maybe you come to the point where you say, I tried that faith thing. I tried that following Jesus thing. I tried that, and it didn't work. And so you walk away from it. You see, all of that produces a, a very foggy faith. And eventually, eventually, we get discouraged and we give up and we just walk away. But faith, as it's described in the Bible, in God's Word, faith in the Bible is not about this force. It's not about this power. It's not something we plug into. It is not a tool. Faith is not a tool that if we use it just right, we can get God to do something we want. And faith is not even just confidence, really. For example, your team, no matter what it is, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter, your team Let's just say your team is having a winning season, and I mean winning season. And all the practices are going great. And this week's practice, for whatever game is coming up at the end of the week, the week's practice went amazing. Everything was fine-tuned. The team was working just like an engine, a good engine, not a Prius engine. They were working. Everything was just as you needed it to be. And so they blast onto the court or they blast onto the field. And if you were to ask one of those players or somebody in the stands, if you were to ask a fan or one of the players, do you have faith that you're going to win today? You know what they're going to say? They're going to say yes. Absolutely, yes. But that's not faith. That is confidence. It's confidence. It's not faith. But we kind of have those confused. We sometimes think that if we can scrape together enough confidence in God, that God will do something for us that we ask Him to do. But faith is not the same thing as confidence. You see, the way that we think of faith um, and the way that we have a tendency in our culture to use that word even, faith, it makes it confusing because we have the wrong idea about what this thing called faith really is. But if we could better understand faith, we should. And here's why. Because the Bible says that faith is very, very important. In fact, it's not just a little important. It is of the utmost importance. So we really need to understand it. Let me give you an example. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says this, For you are saved by grace. For by grace you are saved through what? Faith. It's through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's, a, it's, it's God's gift is what the Bible says. So according to the Apostle Paul, a correct understanding of faith 
has everything to do with you and I being saved. A correct understanding of faith. And apparently, apparently Jesus has the same idea. <laughs> Imagine that. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verse 50. He said, and Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace, he said. Your faith has saved you. It, has saved, it is so important, your faith has saved you. So don't you think we surely should really understand what that word faith means? A correct understanding of faith not only applies to our salvation, but it actually also applies to our everyday living with God, our relationship with Him. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, the writer says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Impossible. It cannot have. We cannot please God without faith. So if it's important to our salvation, if it's important to us pleasing God in our everyday lives, oh my goodness, we better understand what the Bible says about faith. Listen to this. God actually tells us what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, he says, now faith is confidence. So it's similar. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is a wonderful, amazing definition of faith. Now let's look at this and, and bring it into a little bit more focus in another translation, make it a little bit more clear. Same verse in another translation. Here it is. Faith means being sure of things that we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. I love that. It brings it into a little bit more focus, a little bit more clarity. We're going to do this one more time. It's like when the eye doctor says, is this clear? One or two? You know, we're going to take it one more step clear. Here we go. The same verse in another translation. This is the amplified version. Now, faith is the assurance. Here's one thing I like about this translation. It takes uh, uh, an understanding, a word, and then it gives you more words in English to describe that one Greek word. Here we go. Now, faith is the assurance, which is the confirmation, which is also the title and the deed. I love that. Faith is holding the title and the deed of the things we hope for being the proof of the things we do not see, the conviction of their reality. And it goes on, faith, and here's giving us more words for this, it's perceiving as real fact what is not revealed by our senses. And I, I, So let's go back to that phrase. It's holding that title. It's holding that deed. Faith is taking hope, one big step forward. You see, hope alone, just hoping, it, it, it wants something that has not happened yet. That is hope. But it has no guarantee that it's going to happen. It's like this. 
You could send an email to Jeff. I don't know how to pronounce Jeff's name, his last name, um, Bezos. I, I don't know how to pronounce that, but I'm, I think I'm probably pretty close. He happens to be the world's wealthiest man, at least today. Did I pronounce it right? He's the Amazon.com guy. He's the guy that started Amazon and runs Amazon.com. Did anybody buy anything from Amazon.com this week? Yeah, you understand. He is the world's wealthiest man today. You could send him an email or you could write him a note, send him a letter, Jeff Bezos. Or you could go to the second wealthiest man in the world today. Um, his name is Bill Gates. Uh, you've heard of him, Microsoft. You could send him an email or you could write him a note, send him a letter. Or you could send the world's youngest billionaire, who is a self-made billionaire, you could send her an email or a note. Do you know who she is, by the way? The world's youngest? Yeah. What's her name? Kylie. Kylie Kardashian. No, no, no. She's Jenner. Kylie Jenner. Did anybody buy a Kylie Jenner product this week? Or did you watch her on any social media? Kylie Jenner is the world's youngest self-made billionaire. You could send her an email or you could send her a letter. Any one of these three people, or, or you know, to increase your odds, you can send them all a letter. And you're saying this, you know what? I would really like you to come and speak to my child's classroom. Or even, hey, up it. You could say, I would like you to come to Stuttgart and speak at the Duck Festival this year, 2019. I would really like you to come. Or I'd like you to come and speak to my neighborhood. I would like you to come and speak. To my, it doesn't matter. You can invite any of those three to come and speak, send them an email, send them a letter, and then you would hope that maybe they would come and speak. That's hope. That's what hope is. Faith is different. In order for you to have faith that they would come, one of them would come and speak to your child's classroom or come and speak or answer your invitation and accept it, to have faith, you would need that person to send you something back to say, I'll be there. I've got it on my calendar. I wrote it down. They'll send you an email confirmation back. I'll be there. They'll send you maybe a letter. I'll be there. Or maybe they just give you a phone call. Hey, listen, I got your invitation. I'm in. I'll be there. In order for you to have faith that they will be there, you have to have their personal guarantee. If you don't, then you hope they'll show up. But if they give you a guarantee, you have faith that they will be there. Let's look at this in a visual sense for just a moment. We're going to look at this bridge here. Here we have a giant, enormous expanse. 
We've got on one side, we've got you over there. You're hoping to get over here. And on this other side, we have faith. You just can't quite make your way over there. Let's go to that next picture. You can't get to this other side by hoping your way across. You can't hope yourself from here to over here. It just won't work. You can't hope your way across. You need something to get from here to here. Let's look at that next one. You got to have a bridge. You have to have a bridge to cross this great ravine you'll never be able to cross. So hope is not going to get you there. You have to have faith to get over to this other side. But here's the bridge that makes faith possible. It's the next picture. Everything God promises creates the bridge for you to get to faith. Everything that God promises. Because of what God has promised you, because of the promises He has made to you, you are holding His guarantee. You are holding the title. You're holding the deed. That's the bridge that allows you to get from hope to faith. Everything God promises us. Now when the Bible talks about faith, it is a confidence. But it's the confidence that God is who He says He is and He will do all that He has promised He will do. And you are holding the title and the deed. Yep. He promised it. He's going to do it. Faith is not just confidence. It is confidence in the promises and confidence in the character. That's what it is. And that's all it is. That's faith. Now, Hebrews gives us some more examples of what this faith is. And here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It was by faith. Now, what is faith? It is the confidence that God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. It, is by, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Faith. Meaning God will do it. Noah held the title, he held the deed, because God told him specifically, I'm going to do this. It had never rained. Noah maybe didn't even know what rain was, but God said it was going to rain. I'm holding the title, I'm holding the deed. God said it, it's going to happen. He would do it. It's not a hope, because he's holding the title and the deed, the guarantee of God. It's going to happen. So it's a faith. I believe, Noah's saying, that God will do what he says he will do. And that faith, this is so important, that faith that Noah had led to a behavior. Something happened. It says right here in the next verse, he obeyed God. That faith led to a behavior. He obeyed God. 
He obeyed even though this was something that Noah had never seen before. He had never seen it. He still obeyed God. Something happened. God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. It says, by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. God goes on. He gives us some more examples. It was by faith. Now, what is faith? It is the confidence that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. He called him to leave home to go to another land uh, that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. Do you know why he went to that land? <laughs> Even though he didn't know where he was going, because Abraham was holding the title. He was holding the deed. He didn't know where it was, but God had promised it. And even when he reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith because he was like a foreigner living in tents. So he was there, but maybe yet it didn't feel like it was his. But do you know what? By faith he stayed there. Do you know how? Because he was holding the title and the deed, and he knew that one day it would happen. Why? Because God said it would happen. He was living there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. So get this. He was holding the title indeed, but it still was really not his yet. At least it didn't feel that way. And the same thing was true for his son. And the same thing was true for his son. But yet Abraham still had faith, even though he didn't see it fully accomplished. Why did he have faith? Because he had God's promise, and he was holding the title. He was holding the deed. It goes on. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city in the future with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. That was all in the future. Abraham might never see it with his own eyes, but by faith he knew it was going to happen. He was holding the title and the deed. Isn't this interesting? This helps me understand what faith is. I sure hope it helps you understand. He goes on. Verse 11. It was by faith. What is faith? It is the confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. It was by faith that even Sarah, now this is the wife of Abraham, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She was old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Why did she have faith? Why did she believe? Because she held the title and she held the deed. God said, you, Sarah, are going to have a child. And she believed with faith that God is who he says he is. And he will always do what he says he will do. 
So it says she believed that God would keep his promise. It goes on. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. And it all came from this one couple, really, really old couple that believed God. It was faith because they were holding the title, they were holding the deed. God had promised all of these things were going to happen. Let's look at verse 13. All of these people died still believing. So some people would look at that and say, listen, you're stupid. You are stupid. You know why they would say that? Because it didn't happen in their lifetime. But that's not what God promised. God promised it would happen. And it did. All of these people died still believing. The promises are always going to happen in accordance with God's plan and accordance with God's time. But it will always happen. Because we can have the confidence that God is who he says he is and he will always do what he says he will do. It goes on. It says they did not receive promise. They didn't receive it, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. In other words, they could see that in the future, God would do exactly what he said he was going to do. And they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. <laughs> they had faith. It goes on. Verse 17, it was by faith. What is faith? It is the confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says that he will do. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac. Now, who was this Isaac? Isaac was this son through whom God was going to create this giant nation. It was by faith Abraham offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, what does that mean? He held the title, he held the deed. Had received God's promises. What was the promise that he was holding? It was this, that Isaac was the son, this came from God to Abraham, Isaac was the son through whom God is going to build this giant nation of people. So Abraham had received the promises and he was ready to sacrifice his only son to kill the son that God said, I'm going to use this son to create all of this nation. And Abraham was ready to kill him when God said, sacrifice him. It goes on in verse 18. Even though God had told him, Isaac is a son through whom all your descendants will be counted. Abraham had the faith. Not a mere hope. He had the faith and the confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will always do what he promises to do. So this verse explains it. It goes on in, in 19. It says, Abraham reasoned. Okay, well, 
if Isaac dies here, God's going to be able to bring him back to life again. It made perfect sense to Abraham. He said, this is not my problem. This is God's problem. If God's going to have him die, then God's going to bring him back. Why? Because God always does what he says he's going to do. I have confidence in that, in him, in his promise. That's faith. I'm holding the title. I'm holding the deed. So Abraham, in a sense, the Bible says, did receive his son back from the dead. This is amazing. It goes on in verse 28. It is by faith. What is faith? The confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will do always what he says that he will do. It is by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. This goes all the way back now. Well, from Abraham, it goes forward to Moses. Why did they have that faith? Because God made a promise. He said, if you sprinkled the the blood of this sacrifice on your doorpost of your home, I will not kill the firstborn in your family like I'm going to do through all of Egypt. They had faith. Why did they have faith? It wasn't hope. It was faith because they held the title. They held the deed. God said, this is what I'll do. They held it and they believed it. That's faith. It goes on in verse 29. It was by faith. What is faith? It is the confidence that God is who he says that he is, and he will always do what he says he will do. It was by faith that the people of Israel um, went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. Why did they have faith? Because God promised they would cross on dry ground and that God would then fight for them. They held the promise, the title, the deed, allowing them to cross from hope over the bridge to faith. And the Bible goes on, it says, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Why were they drowned? They didn't have the title. They may have saw those walls of water and thought, okay, here's our chance, let's go. I hope we make it. (laughs) I hope we get to the other side. Let's go. And when the army got into the Red Sea, God dropped that water and they all drowned. Why? They had hope. The Israelites had faith because they had the title and they had the deed. You will cross on dry ground. Now here comes a long passage. Chapter 11, 32, verse 32. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea. Oh, here we go. How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount all the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets? By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to 
uh, to flight. Women even received their loved ones back from the death, from the grave. Now listen. Confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will always do what he has promised to do. And these promises are always fulfilled just the right time on God's timeline, not on mine. God's chosen timeline. And just the way that God planned for it to happen. Not according to my plan. Not according to your plan. Not according to their plan. According to God's plan. Not my time. His timing. Not my way. His way. Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is. And he will always do what he says that he will do. Now, walking by faith for us, as well as all the people we just read about, is behaving as if God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Faith is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Faith is not a a secret power. Faith is not a secret code for us to get something done or for God to do something for us. Faith is simply believing that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says that he will do. And our faith always leads us to an action a behavior, a step. It is us living our lives believing that God is trustworthy. Even if, like Abraham, even if it doesn't happen the way we expect it to happen or in our timing, it's believing, living our lives, believing that God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. It is not a secret code that makes God do something for us, that makes God fulfill our wishes. Those guys and ladies are going to continue to fill stadiums with that message, but that is not faith according to the Bible. It's not faith. That is trickery. Trying to trick God into doing what we want Him to do. And guess what? God can't be tricked. Authentic faith. Believing that God is who He says He is and He will always do what He says He will do. Guess what? That leaves God completely in control. Completely. That's faith. He's in control. We're not in control. The faith that the Bible talks about always leaves God completely in control. Now, genuine faith allows for a very special behavior. And I... If you were like me at all, 
you are still learning this. This special behavior, it's called surrender. It allows us to surrender our desires and to make our desires obedient to God's desires. Not my will, God, but yours. Have you heard that before? Not my will, God, but yours. Not my desire, God, but yours. Not my plan, God, but yours. Surrender. The result of my life and your life, when we are aligned with God through faith, is surrendering our will, our plan, our timing, our desires, and making them subordinate to God's. And as long as we're trying to get something from God, we're going to have a hard time surrendering our lives to God. As long as we're trying to get Him to do something for us or to look through the Bible and find just the right verse that we can claim to say, this is it. Now, God, you have to do that. You say you have to. As long as we're doing that, we're going to have a very hard time surrendering our will to God's will. As long as we think that faith is something that gives us leverage to get God to do something we want him to do, we will not surrender our plans, our lives, our futures, our families, our children, our all. As long as we're trying to get God to do something we want him to do. We won't leave our plans and choose his. We're going to stay with our plans. Now here's where all of this comes to an end, right here this morning. Right here. Where are you? Where are you? Are you over here with a faulty faith? Hoping that God is going to do what you want him to do? Hoping that if you can just do something the right way, that you can earn enough points, you can do something, and God is going to respond by giving you what you want. Where are you? Some of us have even slipped from a real faith to a faulty faith. To a faith, somehow we've transitioned from a faith that said, yeah, God, you are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you do. And then we begin thinking, but you know what? I really would like this. And so we start looking for ways to get God to do what we want him to do. And we start hoping again. Because no longer are we holding on to his title and his deed. Now we're starting to just say, God, I really need you to do that. I want you to do that for me. I want you this to happen. I want that to happen. You're a good God. Why don't you do good things for me? And then we don't understand why a good God would allow bad things to happen. Because we let go of the deed. 
We let go of the title. Some of us have slipped into a faulty faith of just sitting there hoping that God's going to respond. But while we're over there, we're trying to gain control over God. We are trying to become the director and God become our talent that we're directing. Okay, now do this. I would really like you. And we'll ask politely, I would really like you to do this and this and this. And we call it faith, but we're just hoping. Trying to trick God. Trying to convince God. Trying to barter with God. God, if I do this, will you do this? Or are we over here with a real faith, a genuine faith? that says, I have confidence in God that He is who He says He is, and He will always do what He says He will do. And why can we have that real faith? Because we cross the bridge. We're holding the title. We're holding the deed. We're holding the guarantee because God said He would do it. And I'm holding that deed. Where are you this morning? Is believing that God's bridge from hope to faith is believing that God is who He says He is and He will always do what He says that He will do. And my encouragement to you right now, do that. Do that right now. Move from just hoping to faith. And you do that by holding the title and holding the deed. And I'm going to ask you this this morning. Before you put your connection card into the bucket at the end of this worship experience, after we're done singing two songs, before you put it in, if you make that transition this morning and say, you know what, I'm putting my faith in God, my confidence in God, because I'm saying this, God is who he says that he is, and he will always do what he says he will do. And in this moment right now, if God said that this is important to your salvation, what does that mean? This verse you're, you're familiar with, you, you won't, it's not going to be on the screen. For God so loved the what? The world. So much that he gave his one and only who? Son. So that everyone who, what? Believes will not perish, but will have eternal life. That is a promise of God. Are you holding the deed? Are you holding the title? Or are you just saying, I really hope. If you're hoping and you know this verse, you can move to faith. Because you hold the guarantee 
that God has given you. You're not tricking your way into an eternal relationship with God in a real place called heaven. No, he gave you the guarantee, if you will believe, that is fresh rain. We might as well go a few minutes longer. You know what else the Bible says? The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. What is faith? If you remember it, say it with me. The confidence that God is who he says that he is, and he will always do what he says he will do. And if you're moving this morning from hope to faith, saying, I believe, I believe that God is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he will do. I'm placing my faith in him. You know why? Because he said, if I will believe in him, that Jesus came and died, God's son came and died. He rose again three days later. He died and rose again for my sins and the sins of the world. I have confidence that God is going to take that promise and apply it to my life. I'm holding the deed. He said it, he promised, and I believe it. If that is you this morning, and you have not yet crossed over to faith, but you are doing it right now, let me know on the back of your connection card today where it says, I'm making Christ the boss of my life right now. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive me for the years and the years that I spent trying to find just the right way to force you to do what I want. Forgive me for trying to manipulate you to do what I wanted you to do. Forgive me for trying to be the one in control. For Jesus, you said, for God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that Anyone and everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And your word has told us that we are saved by grace through faith. It is not from ourselves. We're not just hoping our way in, manipulating our way in, convincing you to let us in, but it is your gift alone through faith. And right now, Jesus, some of us are trusting you that you are who you said that you are. You did what you said you would do. And I am submitting my life to your grace and in faith believing that you are saving. God, I don't have to be in control. You're the boss of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.